So that's one thing that I believe in is the combination of nature and science um, that you can, you can use active ingredients that were created in a lab um, and still consider yourself like very natural and holistic because these things are, it's basically like taking a vitamin um, for your skin. It's a very purified um, substance. Hello and welcome to the Living Simply Bear podcast. I am your host, Rachel Bear. If it's your first time here, welcome. If it's not, welcome back. I'm so happy to have you here and to be tuning into this really special episode. Before we dive in, I just wanted to do a little check-in and let you know, as always, if you are in the Boulder, Colorado area, I host community tea ceremonies and private tea ceremonies and a glass tree house. If you have any interest, you can find all of that information on my website in the show notes. I also host or offer virtual tea ceremonies that can be taking place wherever you are. Um, you'll receive a bowl and a thing of tea where then we will then sit and share um, leaves in a bowl together over Skype which is a really beautiful practice. And if you can't come to me in Colorado or I'm not coming to you anytime soon, um, this is a really wonderful way to be introduced to the practice. Otherwise, I think we should go ahead and dive in because this episode is incredible. Um, I spoke with Allison Calloway from the Activist Collective and we really dive into a lot of topics in this episode. Um, we talk about her transition from working in a for a big corporate company to starting her own ethical, sustainable um, skincare line and what that looked like. And then we really dive into looking at what it looks like to raise children in a climate crisis and the choice to have children in a climate crisis. Um, we dive into that for a while and I think it's a really important conversation to have. And so I really feel grateful that that kind of manifested and that I get to share that little conversation that we had with you all. So definitely stay tuned to listen to that full piece. And I want to share a little more about our guests this week. Allison is the founder of Activist Collective, an eco-ethical skincare company that believes skincare is a gateway to a larger self-care commitment to caring for our bodies, minds, and spirits. She believes when you're happy and healthy, you can focus on bigger things like environmental justice for our fellow earthlings. Could not resonate with her more and I in that sentiment, so I'm really excited to have you listen to this. And a little bit more about Activist Collective, um, they give 5% of their revenue, not profits, which is important to note, um, to the planet. And then their website and social platforms feature fascinating interviews with women change makers. It's all designed to inspire every woman to nurture their inner activists and fight for our future in an emotionally and physically sustainable way. I just can't convey how much I resonate with what she has to share with the world and um, the products that she's creating. I've been using them for a while and they are some of my favorite skincare products I've ever used. Um, they've been so nice in this really dry, dry time in Colorado in the winter and the face wash I literally look forward to using every day. It smells so good and it feels amazing on my skin. And I've gotten so many compliments since I started using it that my skin's glowing and I can look in the mirror and be like, wow, my skin really is where I where I would strive for it to be. And so I can't express how incredible her products are. And so without further ado, I think we should dive into this episode because it's packed full. Well, thank you so much for being here and taking the time out of your day and your week to come on and talk. Um, I'm really excited to dive into like conversation with you. Me too. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Of course. And I start every episode asking, um, what is your upbringing? 
My upbringing, I was born in rural Western New York State in kind of a small town, but on 40 acres of land. We lived next door to my grandparents, and I literally lived in the woods um, until I was 12. My parents um, like cut down some trees in the middle of the woods and built our house there, and we had a really long driveway that wasn't paved, um, so I spent all my time as long as the weather was doable I spent all my time playing outside um I barely watched tv I did like to read a lot um we didn't have kids who lived next door so I didn't you know spend too much time socializing I guess until I started preschool um and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents who were my childcare when my both my parents were working. Um, and I definitely think that living that way is how I fell in love with nature. Mm, that sounds so magical. It really was. And now that I'm a mom, I have a two and a half year old boy. Um, I feel like modern society living in suburbia or in a, in a city you really have to put a lot of effort as a parent to give your kid like unstructured exposure to nature. That's not like with an agenda. Um, if you, you know, if that's important to you and because of the way I grew up, it was important to me. And I think a lot of people didn't grow up like that. And so, you know, they're fine with not doing that. But for me, I really wanted to kind of be able to relate to my son on that level so I've made a pretty big effort to get him um, out in nature. And we do this thing called free forest school, which yeah. is basically that exact idea where you meet up with a group of moms and dads and little kids and they just play outside together and there's no toys, there's no playground equipment. They're just using like sticks and stones and sand and dirt and playing in the stream. And it's been really fun. That's amazing. I actually have gone to free forest school with the, um, I nanny a couple days a week with the little girl. I nanny the mom sends her to forest school. So I gotten to take her and it is the coolest thing. It really is. My son didn't know what to think of it the first time, maybe the second time too, because he was used to there being, you know, a slide or a swing or whatever. Um, and so he was just kind of like, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Not in those words, obviously, but um, the second and third and after that, um, he just, he knows where he is. He's just ready to get in there. Um, and he's formed great friendships with the little kids in there too. And when one of them is missing, he wants to know where they are. So I think it's like an awesome combination of socialization and naturization. That's so sweet. And what a special gift that you can give him in this like very modern time. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. Mm. I'm curious too, cause you live in California now. So how did you end up from New York out there and then, you know, raising a family in California? Yeah. I've bounced around kind of a lot. So when I was 12, my parents moved us to North Carolina because um, the economy was better down south. And my mom had actually spent part of her childhood in North Carolina as well. So that was kind of like a dream of hers. So they made it happen when I was 12. And I went to middle high school and college in North Carolina. And then I worked for, I think, like two years out of, out of college. And I met my husband at work and that was in 2009 when we were in a big recession and he had just finished school too. Um, and ha was having a really difficult time getting a job because of the economy. And we were living at that time in Asheville, which is a small touristy mountain city, which mm -hmm. we loved. Um, we had so much fun there, but we ended up moving to Dallas for his first job out of school. And then after about seven and a half years in Dallas, he got a job opportunity out here. 
in Southern California. And we were so excited because we both, we'd fallen in love basically in the mountains. All of our dates were like a hike or going camping, Mm. stuff like that. And we really missed that in Dallas. And we kind of had a list of places we'd want to move to um, that were still like big cities because for his career, it's good for him to be in a big metro area. Um, And California was like the top of the list, but we didn't think we would ever be able to make it happen because the stereotype, which is true, is that it's very expensive um, to live here. And so we kind of like wrote it off, but then he just got recruited to a job. And at first it seemed too good to be true, but then it worked out. Um, He's actually since changed jobs, but he was able to find something thanks to being in a larger populated area. And I hope we're going to stay here because we love it so much. Yeah. What part of California? We first moved to Redondo Beach, which is in L.A. County. Okay. And then now we're in Orange County in a town called Laguna Niguel, which is very close to Laguna Beach. Yeah. Where we, yeah, we go to the beach like every chance we get. (laughs) That's amazing. We kind of are like tourists because we really appreciate where we are and we take full advantage of it. And we've learned to surf, which we're obviously not very good, but we're trying. And then we both um, did a free diving course and, you know, we do a lot of hiking. So I feel like we're just pretending we're on vacation every weekend, just sucking the marrow out of living here. Well, and like, as you should with life, if you're going to live somewhere, like enjoy the full capacity of it. Absolutely. Yes. And this, this place is just so right up our alley. Oh, I love that. I feel like I've talked to so many people who live in LA or from like somewhere near the beach. And it's like, yeah, I never go to the beach. And I always think like, if I lived by the beach, I'd always go. But then now like living in the mountains it's kind of I understand this sense of like you kind of get into your groove and it's easy to not to not really um um be like a tourist in your own city so you saying that like really is like igniting something in me of like yeah I should really be taking advantage of the the beauty here and the weekends that I have and the days that I have free yeah it's it's hard. Um, I'm not that great about planning like activities. My husband's really good at like checking the weather, checking the surf report, figuring out, do we want to hike today because it's going to be cloudy and cool, or is it going to be sunny and, you know, good waves. So we'll go to the beach. So I call him the director of activities, like (laughs) on a cruise ship or something, because I'm not that good at it. I'm kind of a workaholic and I need him to, um, own that. And he does a good job of it. I love that. It's a good balance. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'd love to segue into asking you, so you have this amazing skincare line, which I am loving. Thank um, you. And I'm curious how that came to be and this incredible thing that you're creating and the, this not only product, but like movement behind it. Thank you. Um, so I started my career... I guess, well, I started college wanting to be a journalist, like a kind of a watchdog, investigative journalist, a consumer advocate. Um, And so I went to journalism school and they kept hammering into us that journalism is dying. Newspapers are going under. Everything's getting consolidated. So you better really, really have a thick skin and really want to be a journalist um, and work basically for nothing if you want to do it. So that pretty much scared me. Um, And I segued into laying newspapers out, so doing the design aspect of it. So the first 10 years out of school, I was a designer and I worked at different ad agencies and different companies. um, And I really enjoyed helping different brands and entrepreneurs figure out um, who they were and how to tell their story. Um, So I think that's kind of part of a little bit of the entrepreneur spirit that I got from that. And then, you know, I always had that um, change maker uh, spirit as well from, I guess, just loving nature and then becoming 
more and more part of society and realizing how separated we were from nature. And the more I learned about the environment and the, the problems that we're facing, um, I got more and more passionate about protecting that. Um, so then it was when we were in Dallas that I had been kind of bouncing around from different jobs at big companies and not feeling very fulfilled, I guess, anymore because I didn't feel like I was making a difference. Previously, I felt like I was making a difference for small businesses, but working as like a cog in the machine, that took a lot of satisfaction in a way. And then I, I started working at JCPenney in the marketing department, and I just felt like I was contributing to what we now know as fast fashion, um, trying to create the need in people to consume more and more. And, you know, I would be designing ads that are talking about the huge discounts that they're doing on already cheap prices and thinking about all the polyester that was in these products. And it really felt like I was selling my soul. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started attending meetings with the Dallas Entrepreneur Center um, because I just wanted to find a way out and find my own way to make a difference. And I felt like if if corporations are generally the cause of environmental destruction, then can't we create a business that does the opposite? The bigger that it gets, the more it's rebuilding the environment. So, you know, that was kind of my idea and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I started thinking about like, what do I know about? And skincare is something that I know about because as a teen, I had a long struggle with acne that's hereditary on my dad's side. He and my grandfather had really bad cystic acne and I didn't have it that badly, but my face and especially my back and my chest were broken out, um, you know, the whole time I was in high school. And I think most people didn't realize, you know, how much it affected my self-confidence, but it really, for already an, an introverted person, Um, it really made me shrink even more into my shell. Um, so I, I would spend like hours online reading about skincare ingredients. And then I would go to the store and read the labels and be like, these labels have all the stuff that's bad and none of the stuff that I'm supposed to be using. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I ended up finding like a couple brands that I could use during that time. And I also went through kind of a natural health journey as far as like eliminating sugar from my diet. And I had already been a vegetarian for a long time, but also taking dairy out and taking supplements that I felt were helping replenish some of the things that I was missing, um, including, I think, zinc, because I had been taking birth control pills since I was like 15 based on a dermatologist, because at the time they were marketing them as a treatment for acne. Um, So I feel like I was internally all kind of messed up. And I finally found my way out of that by the time I was like 17 or 18 or something like that. And then, you know, I just had clear skin after that point and didn't think too much of it. But when it came time for me to try to figure out where I wanted to make an impact, I thought, I know about skincare. I'm really passionate about it. I'm always recommending things to people, um, whether they like it or not. (laughs) And and I think I'm going to pursue this. So, you know, I took my idea of creating a company that would be a give back model. So I give 5% of revenue to environmental causes. And that's I just want to point out that's so much bigger than giving a percentage of profit because companies say 1% to the planet, which is great and amazing. Um, and I hope more and more companies do that. But I just, um, you know, when I was looking at what I wanted to do as far as my contribution, I figured if I, if I take it out of revenue, it, I don't have to be- break a profit. I can start giving back from the very first time I sell a product Um, and you know, I kind of did the math and I was like, 5% seems 
like a lot. And that's what I, you know, I want to give a lot back. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm trying to fulfill my life's purpose through this company and not just get rich off of this, um, which I'm mm-hmm. definitely not getting rich off of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just kind of wanted to point that out, that revenue, a lot of people think that revenue and profit are interchangeable, but profit is revenue minus your expenses. So it's a lot, lot less because it's expensive to do business with all the overhead and the cost of creating your goods and marketing and all that stuff. So revenue is always going to be a lot bigger number. Mm, I love that. And then what are the the, the organi- organizations that you um, donate to? Um, so we have ambassadors, brand ambassadors, and I'm working on building that uh, cohort out for the new year, the new decade. And we, it's basically an affiliate program, if you're familiar with that, where we're able to track the products that are sold from their outreach using special links. And so each of those people is affiliated with or has chosen an organization that they stand for. And so I'm able to track, you know, how much revenue was generated by each of those people and send it to those organizations that they stand for. And then what I don't have attributed to anyone in 2019 and the years prior, I donated to Rainforest Trust, which is one of the most highly rated charities. If you look at Charity Watch, um, because their board of directors pays for all of their operating expenses and all of their money just goes, all of the donations go straight to their work. And what they do is they either purchase rainforest land that's usually really cheap, like a couple bucks an acre, or they will work with indigenous tribes or whoever should have the rights to that land. And they will go through the legal process to help them actually finally get the deed to the land that they should own but it's often like especially in the amazon it's these tribes have been living there but they've been there for so long that it was before there was a legal system and so Mm -hmm. without this paperwork they their land can be taken right out from under them and sold to ranchers or miners um So that's a really important thing that they do. And then they are also very focused on endangered species. So they'll create either a reserve or protected areas, or um, they call them corridors. So like if there's an animal that needs to migrate and they can't do it because there's development in the way that then therefore their life cycle gets interrupted. So Rainforest Trust they really think about the ecology and what needs to get protected versus just kind of buying whatever's out there. That's amazing. I did not realize that. Yeah. Um, with the new, with the news that's, you know, come out about the Amazon rainforest recently, there are some other organizations that I want to check into like Amazon watch. Um, Mm -hmm. and so maybe for 2020, I will look at shifting some of that money and another issue that I want to participate in is ocean pollution and plastics pollution. Yeah. So I'm I'm exploring ideas for 2020. Like maybe there's a quarterly a quarterly organization, and then each quarter is different. Um, I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. I've you know I've only been in business a couple of years, so I haven't gotten super sophisticated with that because it hasn't been a huge chunk of money but as we grow it's going to be like a bigger and bigger thing so I'm really excited to um you know make stronger partnerships with the the organizations that we donate to Mm, I love that and then in terms of the product that you sell one I love to note that they come in all glass and your packaging is you know all compostable from what I could gather um and And then in terms of the product itself, it's all, you know, very, very clean and organic and um, cruelty-free. So I'd love to hear more about, like, what 
goes into making the product? Like what are the ingredients? How have you kind of um, come up with this specific routine? Cause it's a four step. And, um, and then, yeah, if you want to talk about the packaging and the importance of that, I'd love to hear. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it, it is a four step routine, um, which is designed to be, to basically take the mental load out of skincare because what I realized after getting into the skincare world and following beauty bloggers is how complicated people have made skincare. Um, people will do these like 12 step routines and they'll be combining products. And I think a lot of that is unhealthy because it's very excessive and your skin doesn't benefit from being touched that much or exfoliated that much and and a lot of the things that people are doing so I wanted to minimize it while still being sophisticated enough and luxurious enough that you feel like you are getting a look like a spa quality skincare routine but you're not overwhelmed by all the confusion that's out there so that's what the four-step routine is about and um So step one is cleanse, and I have three different cleansers depending on what you're looking for. Some people are trying to avoid essential oils, so I have a cleanser that's extremely, I guess, basic in that it doesn't have any any essential oils, so it doesn't smell like anything. It's super-duper gentle, Um, and then I have two others that are also gentle, but they do contain essential oils, and one is a blue cleansing gel, um, which is our best seller right now because it's just really pretty and it smells really good too. Oh my God. And, and it then... feels so good <laughs> on your skin. I like look forward to washing my face every day. <laughs> that's yeah. That's what I was going for. So I'm really glad that that's working out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then I've got an oil, like a liquid oil based cleanser too. That was the first one I released, which is also a bestseller. Um, so that's step one. Step two is a toning mist and it contains really nice active ingredients as well as botanical ingredients. So that's one thing that I believe in is the combination of nature and science, um, that you can, you can use active ingredients that were created in a lab, um, and still consider yourself like very natural and holistic because these things are, it's basically like taking a vitamin, um, for your skin. It's a very purified, um, substance like a, like vitamin, vitamin C or, or vitamin, vitamin B. (laughs) Um, these are great for your skin. And so it's, I use active ingredients that were created in a lab and then I combine them with botanical ingredients like beautiful oils or hydrosols. So the toning mist is three different hydrosols combined with a few different active ingredients that are really good for soothing your skin after cleansing and um, rehydrating your skin. And so that's a product you could use at any time during the day that you feel like your skin is drying out, especially like if you're, you have the heat on in the winter or you're on an airplane. I, I actually took a little mini of that in my pocket the last time I flew and it made a big difference. And then steps three and four are the serum and the face oil. So the serum is a a water-based product that contains really great active ingredients that help protect your skin from environmental damage um, through the power of antioxidants. And then the face oil is similar, but it's obviously an oil. So that seals in hydration and further protects your skin from water loss which is just like when your water evaporates out of your skin in a dry climate. And then it also helps protect your skin from UV radiation. Mm. And then um, I'm trying to think what else you asked me. Oh, I guess then, oh, the packaging. Yeah. So um, the, the packaging, as you pointed out, it's all glass. And I've screen printed on the bottle a picture of a woman that was such a hard project to figure out. I was trying to communicate my mission through a graphic and it turned out to be really hard. So it's a, it was inspired by 
protest posters or um, like political posters. Um, and so it's a picture of a woman. She It's like a silhouette and she doesn't have a face. So she's kind of anonymous and she's designed to represent anyone, like to be something that um, that anyone could see themselves in. And she's got her fist in the air like an activist. And there is these rays of light or energy coming out of her fist, just showing how powerful she is. Um, and so when you're in your bathroom and you're doing your skincare routine, I'm hoping that you'll, you know, pause for a moment and see that there's this, this image there that kind of lights the, the fire in your belly and mm -hmm. makes you get back in touch with your inner activist. I love that. I love that so much. And I will say the products really are so incredible. My skin has like been so happy using them. And um, yeah, I'm like, I, I've been telling like everyone, I'm like, you have to try this. It feels just so good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm curious to like, why like, Actually, let me rephrase that. Um, so there's a movement behind it in this like activist um, community that you're kind of creating and supporting um, people who are going out and being an activist in whatever way that 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 services for them. And I'm curious to learn more about that because it's not from my time speaking with you and what I've experienced through your um social media is that it's not just about the products. Like you're creating something much more, something beyond that. And also um, a, play, a, a thing that is supporting people who are being activists. Um, so I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, that kind of goes back to what I originally wanted to do with my life, which was use writing to contribute to social change. Um, but you know, I got scared out of the field of journalism. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that I get to bring this back. And what I'm trying to do is, is contribute to a culture shift. Um, you know, we have such a materialistic and consumerist culture and that's the cause of a lot of environmental destruction, especially when you look at fast fashion or the things that we're buying out of convenience that end up in the trash. Um, so I'm, by highlighting these women who are very inspiring and not only that they're aspirational because there's someone who you would, who you could see yourself wanting to be like versus someone who may be an activist and inspirational in some respects, but maybe if you looked at the clothes that they wore or, how they presented themselves, you wouldn't necessarily aspire to be like that because they are not balancing themselves. They're maybe letting activism completely obliterate like other aspects of themselves, like self-care. Um, so I'm working to shine a light on how you can be an activist in your everyday life without having to become an extremist or live totally off the grid or extract yourself from society. Uh, I want to show how you can change society by being an activist and still feel beautiful and fashionable and fun and cool and, um, and then inspire others to join the movement. So highlighting these women is all about showing that this movement is the place to be. It's a lot more fulfilling. You're going to be happier and have more fun if you um, like kind of reorient orient your values to be more holistic and sustainable. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. It's just a beautiful thing that I think we need so much right now. I agree. I'm kind of in a bubble now in that everybody I follow believes the same things for the most part and is doing their very best to live a lot more sustainably in their lifestyle. But I know that out in the rest of the world, still our celebrities and our culture, cultural icons and pop culture icons 
um, they're not per, they're not showing a lifestyle that's in line with what's actually compatible with our planet. They're yeah. they're trying to get people to buy more and more and more and not feel good about themselves until they keep on this consumerist treadmill. It's which, so true. Yeah. I always joke with my friends. Well, it's not so much a joke. I I think about it in a serious way, too. But I'm like, what if, like, Kim Kardashian or the Kardashians in general were, like, posting about reusing their bottle or something? Like, what would shift? Because, you know, you know, there's millions and millions of people watching them. Like, what would happen? You're so right. She recently acknowledged that climate change is real. I think having something to do with the Australian wildfires. Um, but yeah, if she could do one thing, like show that she's not going to throw a plastic fork away or just like you're saying, one little thing with her reach, it would have such big uh, waves and she could really change things. Yeah. So I hope someday she wakes up to that. Yeah, I think there has to be an awareness that has to come. But, like, she's in the the hamster wheel She that is. most of us are. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the human condition, I think, is, is being in a hamster wheel. Like, instead of having to struggle to survive in terms of food and shelter, we have to find something else to struggle with. And <laughs> it's comparing ourselves to each other and trying to amass the same material material things that other people have um you know I kind of like equate it to like a squirrel just like (laughs) they just have this drive to find all the nuts and hoard them and (laughs) I love that (laughs) and I just think of humanity like once we've achieved a certain level of um survival then we need to apply this this drive for survival to something else and we need to focus it in the right place because too often we're focusing it on um, comparing ourselves and figuring out how we can be more of a, have more status symbols that we own and things like that. And so we really need a redefinition of what a status symbol is, what it means to have it all. um, And we need our influencers to lead the way. Mm. I love that so much. Um, I think I said that to like everything that you've said, but I, 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 you're like preaching to the choir in so many ways. And I just think, I think like in, in social media, I was looking at someone's post today and they were talking about how it's like, they were so self-conscious that they post, um, the uh, photos a lot where they're wearing the specific jacket where like all these other influencers have, you know, a new thing all the time. And, and then realizing over time, like, I actually have a great pride in showing that I like wear the same thing all the time, because I chose to just invest in something that's like of great quality, that I want to wear all the time. Yes. And I, I love that reflection, because I've personally like, come against that of like, I was like, I'm going to start posting an outfit of the day. And then I was like, I wear the same thing like every day. That's so boring. <laughs> it's like, actually, that could be really fun. To yes. be like, no, I wear, I do wear a lot of the same thing. And it's because I really love these pieces. I think that would be great. It would show people that the expectation doesn't have to be what they assume it is. Totally. Uh, you know, they assume that to be socially acceptable, you have to do certain things like change your outfits all the time. But yeah. I don't. No. I mean, I remember as a child, like, my, we call my grandma, Grandma Mary, and she would wear, like, the same outfit, like, multiple days in a row. And we'd we'd call her almost every day and just be like, hi, how are you? And we'd be like, what are you wearing today? And she'd be like, same outfit I wore yesterday. <laughs> and it's, she still does that. It's And there's no shame in it. It's like, I didn't, she's like, I didn't get it dirty, so why would I, why yeah. would I change? <laughs> You know, it's so funny you say that because I was getting my son dressed this morning and he wore um, the shirt that he wore yesterday to school. He wore that to bed last night. And then when he woke up, it was still clean. And I really wanted to just leave it on him. 
but he was going into, you know, a social situation and I didn't want anyone to point out that he hadn't changed his shirt. So I just folded it and put it back in the drawer and put something else on him. Yeah. Um, and I also love that you bring up your grandmother because the more I get into trying to live more sustainably, which includes a lot of reuse, you know, at home in the kitchen and things like that, I keep reminding myself of my grandmother um, because she has been doing this for I don't know how long, 80 years or something. Um, you know, she washes her tin foil and reuses it. She washes out yep. her plastic bags and reuses them. She's been composting since who knows when. Um, and I used to be embarrassed of things like this because, you know, as you make friends, um, you see how you, you know, you spend the night at their house or something and you see that they have things you don't and a lot of it is like they're using tons of paper towels or they they use mouthwash and they have a little paper cup that they use every day and throw it away and get a new one the next day and you know when I was younger I used to think well they have more than I have and I don't feel you know as well off as they do because they're they're just consuming more resources but in your in your kid mind you don't realize that um you know, that's not actually a better way of living. So the, the older I get, the more I become like my grandmother, who is, she grew up during the depression and, or I think was born during the depression and still lived through poverty for a little while. And this is where she learned how to do a lot of that stuff. And she still grows her own vegetables. And, and now that's coming back into vogue, at least into in the circles that I'm now following, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's large enough. Like we're, you know, we were talking about the Kardashians. If they could start gardening in their backyards, yeah, <laughs> they could really start a movement. Oh my God. Could you, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> it would be really wonderful. It Let's hope that be. starts happening this decade. I think this is the decade of revolution and change. We're kind of coming up against the wall in a lot of ways. And I think that people are starting, people who have fame and power are starting to realize their potential. You know, when you see an awards show in Hollywood, they're all using that platform to speak out. Yeah. And hopefully that'll just keep going. Yeah. And it's like, if you're an, you know, influencer and I'm using air quotes, it's like, what are you influencing people to do? Like, exactly. just think of it in that capacity. Like, if you're Kim Kardashian and she just took a step back, what am I influencing people to do? It's like to support just consuming, like you're going to use this voice that you have to do that. Like, I don't know. It's just an interesting reflection to think of like, how am I going to use that, that, that quote unquote status that I have? Yeah. It's a lot of power that is in their hands and they could harness it and use it for good if they, could do a little more reflection about the brands that they choose to do collaborations with. Um, you know, business can be a force for good. You don't have to write off capitalism or making a profit or making a living in order to be sustainable. You just have to reorient yourself a little bit. Totally. I mean, there's, there's so much money in this world. There's so much, and it's not that we're not in the lack of it, but we approach it from a place of scarcity. We totally do. And I fall victim to this myself, so I'm preaching to my, like, I'm saying that to myself also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what's been ingrained in us since we were born, is that money rules, and you can never have enough. Yeah. And it's, in 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 like, the simplest of things, it's just energy, like, it's a thing we've created. It's literally, like, made by man. Yeah, I, I have been noticing recently the term recirculation pop up in the eco-community. And it's it's basically referring to a distinction between our normal economy, where it's, like, the resources coming out of the earth, whether it's, you know, oil or, like, a plant or something, and then it's consumed, and then it's, like, gone, and um, it's either like put in the landfill or it's actually consumed like food. But um, when it comes to things that meet their end 
in a landfill, um, we can avoid that by keeping the resources recirculating, um, whether that's traditional recycling or just different marketplaces or different ways of um, exchanging goods without necessarily having to use money, or maybe you do, which is fine, but it's just, um, it's just a way to keep resources alive longer when it comes to thing like, things like fashion or furniture or electronics that we might get sick of, like some kitchen appliance you bought and then decided don't actually need this. Um, you know, using marketplaces like Facebook Marketplace or um, Craigslist, things like that is, I think, a big key of living sustainably. Yeah, totally. It's like, how do we reuse this? And also when we're getting rid of things, how do we give it a new life? Yes. Um, and I'm wondering if it's actually better to try to sell things versus donating them to a thrift store, because I think sometimes they get so overwhelmed with the vast quantity that they receive that I, I've heard that some of it actually gets thrown away. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. Or choosing where you donate, you know, in terms of like, if you're going to donate, knowing that like going, like a specific place is looking for a specific thing and you have that to donate. That's a really good point. There's things that are useful during certain times that are a lot more valuable to them than just giving them, um, you know, a grab bag of things that you don't want anymore and not really putting thought into it. Totally. I'm curious um, for you what it's like to um, raise a child in this time of like being in a climate crisis. Goodness, that is on my mind like every day, multiple times a day. Um, it's really difficult. I was pregnant when our current president was elected, and mm. that was like a huge shock um, and not ex not at all what I was expecting. And, um, you know, it's just kind of been like that since he's been born. Um, one thing after another, it really makes you feel like the best times on earth might be behind us and you worry what he's inheriting, whether we will turn this around and achieve some kind of utopia where like society has figured out how to solve its major problems or is it just going to be like a long decline? Um, it's very scary. And I would love it if I could give him a brother or sister because I have two brothers who I love more than anything and having them in my life is so wonderful and such a blessing, but I, I don't feel confident that if we were to have another kid that it would be the right decision because I just don't know what they're going to be facing in their, in their lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, can't imagine. Yeah. With raising him, I do my very best as far as teaching him to love nature and and putting into our home life practices that are lower waste. And so we definitely try to reduce our impact. So it's kind of like a two-headed monster. Like one is our planet is overpopulated and adding more people is not good because it's taxing the environment more and more based on the resources it takes to keep you alive. And on the other hand, it's do we even want to be alive? <laughs> um, that's pretty extreme sounding. We all want to be alive. But, you know, is it is their life going to be better than yours, which is always what a parent wants, is that your children will have a better life than you had? Um, or, or are we at the point where we're concerned that they're not going to have a better life and that they're going to have to deal with worrying about fires and flooding and, and who knows what famines, war, it's pretty scary. And I wish I were more optimistic about this, but it, 
at the place I'm in now, um, I'm definitely worried for our next generation. Yeah. I mean, and I feel that because I come against this thing, I think, as a woman. And as you get to a certain age, you start to feel this, like, oh, I my your body like almost urges you to want to have a children which is such a wild feeling um but then like on an another like in a very mental place you're like but it doesn't make sense yeah rationally it doesn't make sense yeah so it's such a um I'm so curious what what it is like to raise a child in this time because we're in a very pivotal time in life and what's going to come, we don't know. Um, we kind of have a trajectory if we continue on the path. Um, but then I think like, is it also good to like have children in the world that are like, know what to do and want to do good for the world? Mm -hmm. I definitely think the world needs good people, um, to be the leaders there's no question that it's it's a function of like our current leaders not being good enough. So if we could have better leaders, things would be vastly different. Um, so I, it's a you know I have no answer. Yeah, we do need people to raise children that are are going to be the future and, and not just um, have their head in the sand. Totally. It's a it's a very interesting time to le be alive and also an exciting time because I think we have the potential to really change things and like, but we have to choose to do that as a collective. You're very right. If we can turn things around, then really there's no better time to be alive in history because we'll be able to witness humanity coming together and doing something so amazing that we save ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and I'd love to be alive during that time. And if I knew that that's what was going to happen, then I would have more kids so that they could be part of it and witness it and contribute. Totally. And maybe it's best to just assume that that is what's going to happen because, you know, your thoughts determine reality. Yeah, totally. We're, we're creating it as we go. We're in co-creation with it all. Yes. Mm. it's definitely not an easy topic I can imagine no. being a mother mm. yeah it's it's really hard um I've started reading I've started looking at books that are about only children <laughs> because this question is on my mind so much um you know having having a two and a half year old and a lot of the people who have two and a half year olds already have a second one and yeah. I get a lot of questions about, oh, is he here only? And I wish that it weren't the case that I um, would have so much, so much of an existential crisis over this. Um, but I do everything as thoughtfully as I can. And, and I am very worried about the future. Yeah. My thought goes to then also, it's like, does it make sense for us to be, instead of having our own children, adopting the children that are born, you know? Yes, that's a really good point, is that there are little human minds that need nurturing. And if we are capable of that and have the resources and the the ability and the desire to do it, then that would be an amazing way to spend your life is raising the next generation without feeling that you have, um, you know, contributed to overpopulation or are having to kind of pull the trigger in your own life to, to procreate. Like they're already there and they already need help. So you can be the one to change a life and change the world. Totally. Which is a whole thing in of itself to adopt. So I don't, and I don't know what that process looks like, but I, I've, I've heard of, you know, all of the, that that goes into it. And it's not an easy thing by any means, nor should no, it be. Exactly. There should be um, some hoops to jump through, but it is very, very difficult, I think, 
um, maybe that'll change too. Maybe we'll, you know, find some like disruption of the ad adoption process that makes it easier on both ends to match children to the right families. That's a yeah. great area ripe for innovation. Definitely. Mm. Sorry, it got into like a depressing, like <laughs> depressing little slump. No, Maybe. and I think it's an important thing for people to know. And like, I think that's an inevitable thing that comes with asking a question with that. And I really appreciate your vulnerability to let yourself be in that place and like be seen in that way. Cause I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to be optimistic. Cause that's what people want to hear. But yeah. that's not really the reality all the time. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I, it, I literally think about it multiple times a day that the, should I have another kid thing? And, and if I'm afraid to have another kid because of what they're going to have to live through, then I have to think about my own son and what he has to live through. Who, you know, he's already here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does scare the crap out of me. And I always want to like bring that up with other people, whether they're, you know, don't have children. I'm always curious if they plan to, especially people in our eco community, because they're obviously very well aware of what the planet is up against, what humanity's up against. Like, do you know what you are feeling in that regard? Well, that's the hard thing. And like, what I was saying is like, I, in the past, like, it's so wild. Like I turned, um, 27 and it was like my body just started to be like you have to have children wow like a visceral <laughs> feeling of like and I've I've always been on the fence like growing up my parents would be like you have to have kids and I'm like I don't want them and then it like started to ease a little bit but it's like no you like have to and I've been doing a lot of like meditations and um I went on like this retreat and a lot of what came up was like being a mother um mm, yeah which is just not something I've like ever really thought of in total honesty I I just kind of wrote it off as I'll be a really cool aunt like you know mm -hmm. uh, so it's been this weird crazy thing where I'm like but like on such a, a logical um in such a logical way I'm just like no like it makes no sense like I don't want to like raise a kid in this environment but also I don't know what the 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 actual trajectory of it all be and like it's like my body almost is like I think it'll get to a point that's like uncontrolled like I won't be able to ignore that <laughs> which is so crazy yeah I honestly like never felt that huge thing that you're talking about I hear other women talk about it I never felt that completely like I knew I wanted to be a mom for a long time because I have a little brother who's nine years younger than me and um I just absolutely loved it when he was little and a toddler and and I and now he's 24 and I'm still like you know being the big sister and I absolutely love that and I you know I wanted to be a mom but I never got to the point where it was like <laughs> where I felt like my body was um, craving having a baby. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. I think like, I felt like I was kind of deficient in that regard that I never like craved it like that. Cause it's such a like gorgeous feminine thing. Um, you know, to, I just think it's really sexy, honestly, like, cause that's what sex is about is procreation. So I think that's really yeah. awesome that you feel that. Totally. Um, it's interesting too, because I'm like, I nanny. So I think I get that, that, um, I get, I get met with like being able to nurture, but I also think about it in terms of like, I have this crazy energy to like be maternal and to like create something I think in the base of it all. So it's like, if it's not a child, is there a way to channel that into something into into creating something that's not just a human being yeah like maybe like gardening where you're yeah or, seeds and watching them grow or something yeah. creative I mean and I don't know what 
form or shape that'll take or maybe that's like birthing a new creative project or Mm -hmm. you know that all of that in you know your like sacral chakra is like just creative energy so like can I use that and harness it in some other way than a human being I don't know I'm also have time to decide if if that's the path or not you know yeah I think that's part of why I'm thinking about it so much I literally this morning put some books on hold at the library about only children (laughs) to try to convince myself because I'm 33 and a half and I had my first child at 30 so that I would have plenty of time to have my second one before 35 which is when they you know say that birth defects and things get like more likely after 35 not that you can't do it after that age but you know, I kind of had it all planned out. And now like I'm at the age where I had planned to maybe be getting pregnant again soon. And I'm just like, I can't make up my mind. And I'm really scared. And I think, honestly, I think I'm going to let the election decide it for me. Um, Which is like, that's a good call. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? When Trump got elected, I was like, this is not the country I thought I lived in. Like, yeah. I was so shocked and yeah. it, you know, it voted well. Like it, I was like, well, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised, but it hasn't turned out like that at all. No. I mean, I think the one like um, positive thing that's come out of it is like, it's chosen everyone to wake up and really stand in what they are, who they are and what we believe in like no one's like half being themselves I feel like Mm -hmm. or half caring for their their cause it's like people are fully standing in that and becoming their like most authentic self in especially in like taking a stand in in topics yeah I think you're right and I think another indicator will be watching what happens in Australia after like the leadership they put in power and then these fires that have been around the entire country or at least the perimeter of it and seeing how that changes their culture. And I I did find an article a few days ago about how Australians are maybe going to reconsider having children based on like what they just saw happen. Um, and probably cause I was Googling something along those lines, but um it's it'll be interesting it's going to be a really interesting decade yeah it will be <laughs> the beginning <laughs> of something new for sure yeah. in some ways mm. well I think those are all the questions I have for you but I would love to ask before we wrap up um something that I ask everyone is what are you most excited about so we'll change the change the conversation to a more uplifting thing yeah um I really appreciate that because that was a downer for a little while (laughs) (laughs) um I am very excited about the uh vision I guess coming together for activists recently that it's um not just a beautiful product line but it's helping push a movement forward and it's helping me do what I wanted to do when I was like 17, um, which is be able to tell the stories of people who are changing the world. Um, so I'm really excited about all the women, including you that I'm getting to know and learning about how they're using their own lives to, to beautifully lead culture in a much more healthy direction. I can't wait to see how it all continues to unfold because I've just been loving all of the the stories and women that you've shared through your platform. Thank you. And I can't wait to share your story too. Mm, thanks. Um, and if people want to find you or they want to try your products, where can they find you? Our website is activistskincare.com. So, um, The company is technically called Activist Collective, but the URL is activistskincare.com. And then we're also on Instagram, but that's under Activist Collective. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. It was such a joy to, to talk with you and learn more about you and and all of the things that you're doing in this world. It, I'm really so inspired by you and everything that you've shared. Thank you so much, Rachel. You're this welcome. was a, a great convo. I feel that we were very honest about our feelings. Definitely. And I think we have to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my personal thought, though, and belief, so... Same. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. I feel immensely grateful that Allison came on and shared her heart so, so openly and vulnerably. Um, The topics we talked about were not easy, especially as someone as a mother and I appreciate and value her ability to be so honest and transparent and share that with the world for you all to hear because I think it's a powerful thing and important thing for us to be talking about right now. I also hope that you guys go and try Activist Collective, the skincare line. It's absolutely incredible and I feel really honored to get to have tried this product and that I stumbled upon it and they stumbled upon me and that I found them. So I feel really grateful for that as well. If you want to find more about them, you can find all of the links to Activist Collective's website and Instagram in the show notes. Otherwise, I think I'll see you guys next week. Uh, If you do feel called, I'd love to have you rate and review this podcast. You can also leave me a note if you have any recommendations, suggestions, feedback. I am all ears and would love to hear it. Well, without Without further ado, no, (laughs) I'm going to say I'll see you later. I love you all, and I hope that you have a beautiful, beautiful weekend.